It's Monday the 24th of August 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by the writer, translator and blogger Jonas Moody. Welcome. Thanks very much. Um, as ever, the biggest news story, as ever this year, I should say, the biggest news stories of the week uh, mostly connect back to the pandemic in one way or another. The biggest of them is probably Iceland's imposition of harder border controls that started on Wednesday and mean that all new arrivals to the country have a choice between 14 days quarantine or two COVID tests with five days quarantine in between. The government is in quarantine too, uh, after eating at a hotel last week where a member of staff turned out to be infected. Other staff and guests, some other staff and guests, I should say, were found to have caught the virus as well. Uh, but the government ministers all received negative first results. They've been quarantining for a few days and will go for their second test today. Uh, it's back to school today as well for most children around Iceland, although hundreds are missing out um, as some schools remain closed. You guessed it, because of coronavirus infection. The economy continues to be resilient, at least if property prices are anything to go by. Uh, the capital region recorded its biggest one-month leap in over three years this July. The finance minister, meanwhile, has said the budget deficit will probably run for several years, but that he does not plan to raise taxes or make major cuts. Uh, the way out of the crisis, he says, is to invest public money in new infrastructure projects. The pandemic has greatly affected asylum seekers and refugees, and the Directorate of Immigration has temporarily adjusted its rules to uh, to react. 61 deportations have been cancelled so far. And finally, in non-virus news, um, Iceland has been expecting a jökulhlaup, or a glacial flood, all summer long. Um, but the fact that one struck last week took people by surprise nevertheless, because it was in a place not known for such events. Experts say it was caused by climate change. So, where would you like to start? Oh, I think we should start at the the borders, the, uh, the limitations of the borders. That's been that's been the big news story here. It seems it has, and it caught uh, more than a few people by surprise as well, including some people who were coming into the country. Yes, <laughs> didn't expect to have to go into quarantine immediately. Cause... I mean, because it was it was announced well Thursday or Wednesday last week, so less than a week before they actually came in. That's right. You only had a a week to sort of change your plans and. My understanding is is that some airlines that were flying here neglected to tell people that they were going to have to go into quarantine when they came because so many countries have been listed on the safe countries list. That those countries didn't have to go into quarantine. Most mm -hmm. of the Nordic countries in Germany, which is where an enormous number of tourists have been coming from, but they land and they find out, nope, you have to take a test here. You have to go into quarantine for five days and then take another test. I mean, I flew in myself recently and I was with a, an airline that is not Iceland there and... They just said, yeah, um, everyone flying everywhere has to quarantine for 14 days unless you're in a flight corridor. It was just a general sentence put in for every destination, I think. It wasn't Iceland-specific in any way, um, which does rather put the onus on the passengers themselves. Yeah, no, it really does. And I think as been, has been the policy for most of Iceland's reaction to the coronavirus, they're putting responsibility on the individual here to keep themselves informed and to play by the rules, which work sometimes and sometimes doesn't work very well mm. no it doesn't and the first time around some of the i think it was probably the rules things being closed down and that really helped because i don't think we've been that that respectful I mean, you see crowds in the street all through the pandemic don't you yeah i the, the reaction this time has been almost nothing i see more people breaking 
uh, quarantine rules, or not quarantine rules, but I see more people breaking the, the rules to limit infection than I do see people uh, observing them. That's for sure. Mm. You know, I, and I was interviewed by a French media outlet not too long ago, and they were asking about um, Eisen's reaction to the coronavirus. This was right after the first wave had come out. They were asking about Eisen's reaction to the coronavirus and, you know, how things were going so well here. And I said, I, I, I'm not really sure because people are not very good at following, Icelanders are not very good at following the rules. Mm. And, you know, and in earnest, I think people aren't very good at following the rules, or at least the tourists that we're getting here right now are not very good at following the rules. I mean, the rules themselves are very unnatural. People do want to touch things and, you know, touch each other. And, you know, it's very human. No, absolutely. And, and I feel like if you're the kind of tourist who has decided that it's a good idea to take a vacation during a global pandemic, you're probably also the kind of tourist who's not taking the global pandemic very seriously. And so maybe this, the, the rules are not something that you're going to follow. And to be honest with you, I mean, there's very little regulation here. And accountability has just, it's never been a very big virtue in Iceland, holding people accountable for things. I mean, it doesn't seem like restaurant owners are being held accountable right now for breaking the, the pandemic rules. And it doesn't seem like individuals are being held accountable very often, or at least it's not being reported on, mm. which would be part of the benefit, I would think of holding people accountable is like letting people be let it be known that if you break these rules you're going to get in trouble but i don't know of anyone that's really gotten in trouble well the provision for fining people i think is quite new isn't it that there wasn't this punishment uh backup for the authorities until quite recently and no i haven't heard of any fines being put out yet uh one place was closed temporarily um, while they sorted their backyard out, so to speak. But yeah, I haven't heard of that either. Um, nevertheless, the police say they've been generally satisfied with how bars and restaurants and things are reacting and, and listening to their advice. So I, I guess that's good. I guess so. I don't know. I have not been out. We have not been using bars and restaurants just because the news stories that we've been reading are that there are still places that aren't following regulations and... I don't know. We don't have a, we, we don't have any pressing need to go out. We're not visitors to the country. We can cook at home just fine. The thing that we do see a lot of, though, we've got lots of Airbnb apartments around us in our in our neighborhood downtown, and it seems like at least in our house, when we get new tourists and who are using the Airbnb apartments, that they just come and go, as they see fit. They're not really staying in the first five days as they're supposed to be doing. Since Wednesday. Since Wednesday. That's right. But we've had two people so far. And maybe the first ones came in before the the rule took place. So who knows? But these people who came, we had people who came last night, and they've just been coming and going as they see fit. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, all right, maybe we should alert someone to this. A very un-Icelandic thing to do, I think. But it was so difficult to find out how you're supposed to report these things. We called the Surgeon General's office, uh, we called the Ministry of Health, we called the non-emergency number for the police department in the capital region, and no one seemed to know like how to do this. Mm -hmm. Finally, we were able to, to, to get someone in the civil defense section of the police department who, who took it down, but they didn't really know what they were supposed to do with it either, it seemed like. It just doesn't seem like systems are in place to hold people accountable. No, good point. Um, and how do you do it? If there are thousands of people that are subject to these rules, you know, you can't watch them 24 hours a day. And the authorities have always said that it is down to personal trust to a great extent. But what's to stop people abusing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that if you have an individual reporting a, a, 
a violation, then that's one way to do it. <laughs> or to encourage people to report it, at least. Mm-hmm. I know that that's just not the kind of place that Iceland is, though. It's not a place there where people are going to tell, tell on other people. But Which yeah. is mostly a good thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's mostly a good thing. I think right now it would be a really good thing if people were held accountable to a greater degree. I think that we would have a better reaction. And we're paying for it right now. I mean, as you said earlier, there were three elementary schools that cannot open right now because of infections. There is an assisted living facility in Isipirder that's just been hit by an infection. A hotel in the south that's been hit by an infection where the entire government was eating. That's some, that seemed like a bad idea in and of itself to have the entire government eating together in one place probably should not have been an event that happened. But it just seems like we're paying the price right now for keeping the tourist sector open. And I don't know if it's really worth it. I mean, over and over again, it seems like economists are at least saying that the price we're paying is far, far greater than the rewards we're reaping from keeping, from propping this this segment of the economy up. I suppose it's a question of if that is now happening, because no one's going to voluntarily spend five days in quarantine just for fun. Not for fun, certainly, but it does seem like people are coming anyway. And I'm wondering if the reputation is that, like, yeah, you have to spend five days in quarantine, wink, wink, wink. No one's going to check on you, of course, and there's no way for people to report you, (laughs) as it seems. But, yeah, you'll stay, you know, you you can come and spend five days in quarantine, sure. Hmm. I do hope that isn't the case. I mean, when you're in quarantine, you are allowed out to go walking um, and and that sort of thing, which is not the end of the world. Maybe that's what they're doing. Who knows? They're going out on a lot of walks then. And they're coming home with grocery bags. So, okay. I doubt doubt that they're going out for walks, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, You mentioned the the government. Maybe just a few more words on that. Um, They all seem to be fine, luckily. Um, and going for their second test today. But that was a bit of a wake-up call, as you say. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. And maybe maybe the government will take a little bit more seriously about bringing the entire government together in one place again like that. Mm. I mean, granted, it, it has to happen for government to function, but um, you, you know, getting together for a meal doesn't seem like something that's really necessary to bring everyone together. Mm. Just because if things had gone worse with that sort of infection, then, I mean, we really would have been at a disadvantage. Um, but I'm glad that that the rules apply to the government as well. And everyone had to go in for a test, and everyone went into quarantine. It just seems right that, that I mean, the RPM was, was piecing out on, on, on Friday, sort of like, I'm, I'm heading home, and that's where I'm going to be until I get my results. That's great. That's exactly what should happen. And they don't even get preferential treatment with the second test. They've got to line up like everyone else, apparently. I mean, in their cars, I'm sure, but... Yeah. But no, no, that's exactly right. They've got to line up like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, wish them the best of health. Um, back to school today, except for those that aren't. That's right. Our kids are going back to school. Our, our, our elementary schooler is going back to school today, and... That is one place where people are definitely taking the regulations very seriously. And they're taking every precaution, even though it doesn't seem that children are especially susceptible. That said, you know, there's also obviously adults who are working in the schools and we've got to protect the adult population that's keeping our schools open because mm-hmm. the, the schools have got to stay open for the country to be able to function. And I mean, we're seeing that as a huge problem abroad right now. People sending their kids back to school before it's safe to do it people not using masks in, in the schools abroad. Um, but luckily, I think we're in, we're in a situation here where we can do it safely, and the infection rate is not so high here that, uh, we, we, you know, that we need to keep kids home from school. 
So I'm really happy that we're able to do it. It's making my life, my life possible, and it's making life possible for a lot of other people in the country. Mm. Uh, the schools didn't close in the first wave, formally, did they? Not, uh, not the lower levels of school. The, uh, the upper levels of school, um, I think some middle schools and universities had to change the format. I mean, everything went online. Mm. And I think a lot of schools are opening that way too, aren't they still? Like, I, I think a lot of classes are, are being held online for, for older students, which just seems prudent. Yeah, uh, but also colleges and universities have got a, a one-meter rule rather than a two-meter rule. Right. They have that special dispensation, which makes it a little bit easier for them to carry out their their work, mm-hmm. and to and to make school possible for for students. But I know a lot of universities, like a, at least Hauskul Nerekevik, is doing um, are, are offering online courses, and I think Hauskul Islands, the University of Iceland, is also offering online courses, which has been. A good thing in many ways. I mean, people want to learn face-to-face and they want to see their friends, of course. But this technology, people have been recording lectures and you can go back and watch them again, even if there are people in the room. I think that part of it will probably carry on. Absolutely. I mean, there have been lots of consequences, lots of unexpected consequences of this pandemic that have sort of kicked us in the butt to try to try new things. Mm. And I really wish that one of those consequences would be that Iceland could diversify its economy a little bit. Because it seems that uh, we're putting all our eggs in the tourism basket right now. And as soon as that basket, the bottom falls out of it, we're losing all of our eggs. It just seems like the time is now to like find some different things to do. Because propping up this industry is just not, is just not working for us. It's just, it's just we're, ha- we're, having to, we're having to make too many sacrifices to keep tourism open. I know I'm, I'm sort of varying back to that thing we were talking about at the, at the beginning, but that's one of the consequences that I wish Iceland would look at more seriously. But of course, tourism is the world's biggest industry. So it, it would be perhaps naive of us not to want to have a, a, a decent slice of it. No, absolutely not. And I think that Iceland will always have a strong tourism sector, but putting all of our efforts into one industry is foolish. There should be a diversification here so that when something does happen like this, we're not scrambling to try to keep the economy alive. I feel like each crisis has, not each, everyone, but each recent crisis has brought a new pillar of the economy. Um, it used to be all be fishing, and then it was fishing and smelting, and then it was fishing and smelting and tourism. So maybe it's time for the, the next, the fourth big one. I, I don't have numbers on this, no. so don't quote me on this. But, I mean, hasn't tourism overtaken both fishing and, like, large-scale industry? Yeah, I believe so. The leading industry sector here. I mean, let's take it back down, Raj. Let's give it a haircut, bring it down, so that it's it's not. We haven't put all of our, again, all of our eggs in that basket. Mm. I mean, some minister, I don't know who it was, wanted to see like more emphasis placed on geothermal agriculture, which seems like such a great thing to to refocus on. Mm. It's it's it keeps us self sufficient. Um, it's a money maker. It's using. Iceland strengths already, geothermal heat, and it's using technology and innovation in agriculture. It just seems like a natural fit for Iceland. Iceland is full of natural energy, as you say, but um, the Rio Tinto smelter that they're threatening to close down because energy is too expensive. Um, I know there's brinkmanship and politics at play there, but it can't be both cheap and abundant and also too expensive at the same time, can it? No, not at all. That, that's, that's clearly a false argument. It's clearly a false argument. And you know what? If Rio Tinto wants to close here, I'm all for it. Go away. 
Let's do something greener with it, with the energy that we have here. Let's not smelt aluminum anymore with it. Let's have geothermal greenhouses here. Let's make a framework in the industry to encourage people to open geothermal greenhouses and run them. People have, or people in that industry have been saying for a long time that they don't get the, the breaks, the subsidies, the cheap energy that heavy industry does. Exactly. So, yeah. No, yeah, that's, I'm just agreeing with you, yeah. And would you say, would that idea be for exporting or just to support all of the domestic market? I mean, right now it seems like there is a need for it in the domestic market, um, but certainly if there's enough production for export, then that would be something that, that, that ISIN could look at as well. But there's so much that's imported right now, so much produce that's imported right now that it seems like there's plenty of need domestically for it and room for expansion. Yeah, definitely. And that'd be great for window companies too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, should we move on to a different subject? Um, I mean, we're talking about the economy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, unemployment hasn't gone as high as they feared. Property prices haven't started going down yet. Um, how does that look to you for the next few months? I mean, I feel like the effects of the pandemic are still fresh. And I feel as though the private sector still has had a lot of runway for this emergency landing we've had to make. But I also suspect that that runway is running out. And if businesses are not able to take off again, then uh, then we're going to see a lot more bankruptcies. We've seen some bankruptcies already, and we have seen unemployment. Um, but I feel like th- that's going to be on the rise. I'm not an economist, obviously, but just anecdotally, I see a lot of businesses pulling out right now, closing their doors for a while to do improvements um, with capital that they have. But obviously, if they can't reopen and capitalize on those improvements, then they're not going to be able to stay open. They're not going to be able to... I mean, I've, people have, have burned through all of their rainy day money. And soon, as we turn the corner and head into fall, it's going to be more difficult. I mean, it's been summertime. People have been taking their vacations. They've been using this time to sort of pretend as though they still have work. Um, And they're just on vacation from work right now. But a lot of people aren't heading back to work now. So I think now is the time we're going to start to see some of the effects. Days are getting shorter. Weather's going to get real shitty soon. I mean, shitty for some people. Some people relish the cold and the rain. Um, but I think we're going to start seeing some of the effects now as we turn back to winter. Seems strange to be talking about winter on a day like this, but no, you're absolutely right. Do you think winter, winter is coming, Alex. (laughs) Winter is coming. It had to come. Um, do you think, because I I mean, people that live here have been very, uh, uh, traveling around Iceland and, and spending money in the tourism sector here. Is there any prospect of that carrying on into the winter? People can still take short breaks. Will they be doing this, do you think? Yeah, I'm sure to some degree, but there's just not enough people in the country who can utilize the tourist industry. I mean, we might be able to support a few countryside hotels and stuff like that, but people aren't going to go on, like, riding tours and things like this. They're not going to be doing the same things that tourists do either. I mean, I feel like the, the local community really likes to go stay in a hotel. They really like to eat out less do they like to go and explore an ice cave. You know, they, they like less to take a trip around the Golden Circle. 
They like to take, they don't like to take bus tours and things like this. They like to go in their own car. They're not going to rent a car. So there's definitely segments of the, of the economy that just naturally aren't going to be supported. And then there's secondary mar- markets too, like advertising agencies that aren't going to have that business from the businesses who are struggling right now. So there's just going to be, it's, I mean, things are going to, things are going to take a nosedive, I feel. It's just, it's just the, the nature of the beast. I loved your um, runway analogy there. Yeah, hopefully a lot of the companies involved, a lot of the people involved can take off again before the before the runway runs out. And I suppose the length of that runway is different for each agency, each company involved. Maybe they can make it through to the spring. Things will hopefully look a lot better then. Yeah, and especially if the government is going to refocus its efforts on building infrastructure, like there's the big Porcalina project here in Reykjavik, which would be great. It would be great to have some improved um, public transportation here. So if that happens, I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of work, that's a lot of money. But they've got a start date for that already, don't they? So that at least phase 1 is is going to happen. I hope so. I mean, there's been a lot of opposition to it as well, unfortunately. Um, but if it means uh, more work, then I think that's 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 going to be good. I think a lot of the work though is going to be imported workforce. And I think Icelanders, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many Icelanders are actually involved in the in the construction industry. I don't know what the breakdown is there. But it seems like a lot of people who have lost their jobs are people who work in tourism. I don't know how easily translatable their work is into something like construction. Hotel receptionist to truck driver, for example. I mean, that said, Icelanders are pretty adaptable, pretty resourceful. So, you know, if you're a bellhop one day, it doesn't mean that you can't be driving a truck the next. Absolutely. Amen. I mean, I personally know one pilot for Icelandair who's driving trucks now. He stepped out of his cockpit and stepped into the cab, and he's just, that's, that's what he's doing now. And is loving it. I can see why. Yeah, I mean uh, that's another. That is another profession that changes in winter time. Though I'm not sure I, I would like to be a truck driver in winter here. No, I think that I think that might that may might be a rough job. But if you're out of work as a pilot, I think you're probably glad for the work. Mm. Yeah. What other in infrastructure projects are they talking about? Um, obviously, it's not just Borkalinan. There's avalanche barriers here and there, that sort of thing. Anything else that springs to mind? I mean, there's lots of road improvements that need to take place outside of the capital area. And there's lots of TLC that needs to be shown to some of our largest attractions in Iceland. I know that like the Faroe Islands closed down a lot of their, their like major tourist attractions a couple, for like a couple of weeks or months just to like sort of create infrastructure around them and mm-hmm. let them grow and heal a little bit because there's been such heavy traffic. So maybe that's something that will happen here. I really don't know what the plans are. This is the first time I've heard the government really talk about, you know, sort of using uh, investment in infrastructure to calm people's worries about what's going to happen with the economy. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know what projects they're they're pointing at uh, in particular, but there's a lot of shit to do here. I mean, Iceland has been trampled by tourists in recent years. It's time to like let it slow down and sort of pick ourselves up, clean ourselves up a little bit. Yeah, and and spend some of the profit that's been made on making it better for the future and and more sustainable. Yeah, but I mean, of course, a lot of those profits in the tourist industry have gone into the pockets of of private companies and some very powerful families here. Mm. Um, But in terms of public spending on infrastructure, it does make sense, doesn't it? If there's a bubble of unemployment, people are going to be on benefits being paid by the government anyway. They might as well be... Doing something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would be great if we could see some of the infrastructure go to 
maybe some creative efforts. Like I know that they increased list amount of loan. You know the what is that? The uh, artist salary. I think they call it in English. Yeah, artist salaries. Yeah. And I, I I loved seeing that. If there were more support for translation right now, people are reading right now, which is and I mean we're turning the corner again into winter. People are going to be reading even more again. I love that that industry is is feeling some lift right now. Mm. Um, and I think that there are also people who are coming here to film, which seems like a good thing to support. Film crews naturally stay to themselves, but they're still, you know, using hotels here. They're still using yeah, local businesses. Um, that seems like a great thing. And I need, I'm, I'm gonna, need, I'm gonna need a vitamin shot in my Netflix soon, because there, I mean, there's no new shows coming out. No, and that's something that's gonna have a, a delayed impact. I think. We're st- still trickling in new releases now but they were filmed a year or two ago so yeah, yeah. if Iceland could save Netflix I feel like we'd be just like a real hero in the world right now <laughs> um, also learning is another one the universities are having their biggest intake ever I think certainly for a long time um, and unemployed people have been told now that they will be able to study new skills, brush up on their old skills without losing their benefits. Uh, that's got to be positive, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, but I think the universities are also scrambling right now to meet the, to meet the demand. Mm. But again, if we can move towards a format that's online, I feel like the capacity might be a little bit greater. We're not having to find a seat for every student, at least. Um, and the class size maybe won't matter quite as much uh, if you have online classes. So that format might fit for a larger demand right now, too. Yeah, and that, it's all about building uh, building for the future, right. creating a bigger knowledge base, more skills. Uh, it's got to be a good thing. I just I wonder if it will ever go back, though, because as someone who was a student for quite a long time, that going there physically that interacting with people is enjoyable it's part of student life it would be a shame if it didn't come back in in future years i guess so i mean i feel like this is something we're just all going to have to embrace that things will never go back entirely to the way they were before this and there will be good changes but there are going to be changes that people i i, I assume are going to miss as well like taking the bus without a mask on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm, I am ready to shed my mask entirely, mm-hmm. but it's just not time to do it right now. But that said, there's not a lot of mask usage in Iceland. It, no, I mean, the rule is when it's impossible to keep two meters, then use the mask. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not a virologist. I don't know if that's sensible or not, but it, yeah, you're right. It's not very much. When I was away... It was far more obvious. Many more people were wearing masks much of the time. And then it can get tiring. You mean when you were abroad, you saw it more used? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I'm seeing it more and more when people go to the grocery store and people go to shops and things like this. People are using their masks. Um, but the majority of people are still not using their masks. Mm. And the majority of people aren't really thinking about two meters. No. That's true. Hopefully they stay safe. Um, okay, our time is running a little short. Um, probably got time for one more thing. There's the glacial flood or the um, director of immigration changing its rules. Um, any preference? No, I'm, I'm really glad to see the director of immigration changing its rules right now. I don't think that deportation needs to be any sort of priority right now. There's other, there's other places where we can devote our efforts right now than kicking people out of the country. Of course, during much of the spring and early summer, they couldn't 
because there were no flights. And But this time it's different. There are flights and, and still the rules are being changed based on what's happening overseas and, and, and countries being reclassified as not safe based on the virus. Right. That's the new thing, I think. And, and that has to be positive. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the number of deportations that they've canceled are, are especially have been, de- have been deportations that have been hotly contested, or some of them have been contested. Um, so let's just put those off. That's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's anything that needs to be a priority at all. No reason for it. And the same goes that um, people with residence permits in Iceland they were extended um, several times because of the difficulty of getting out and the potential dangers of doing so. Um, has that? Do you know? They haven't been extended a further time, have they? Like student visas and things. I think they, if they're expiring now, they expire. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, I teach uh, sometimes at the University of Reykjavik or Reykjavik University um, for students who are coming in right now, um, and I know it's still been quite difficult for those students to be able to get into the country and get all their paperwork in place before they can come in. So. I mean, I don't think that the entire director of immigration has been overhauled to be a place, you know, that's really, that's that's easy to deal with. They're sort of infamously very difficult to deal with. Um, so any sort of a, any sort of change or movement to make things more easy for people, I, I, I celebrate. And just on that note um, of, of students arriving, it's probably nice time to mention that one student um, who's going to be studying at the University Center of the Westfields um, cycled here. <clears throat> he's oh, yes. he's from San Francisco. <laughs> how did he cycle here? I don't understand exactly how that happened. Uh, I haven't caught up on the details myself, but he cycled all the way across the U.S. and then from Keplavik to Isa Village. Oh, that's crazy. So he cycled every every inch that he could. Basically, yeah. I don't suppose he cycled over the ocean. I hope not. Anyway, I've got it. Oh, no. Sorry, I'm, I'm flicking on my on my laptop here. Here we go. Um, Tyler Wacker, 11,600 kilometers to get to his, um, his master's program that starts. That's, that's terrific. Good, good for you, Tyler. I think that's, uh, that's, that's some, that's some dedication right there. Yeah. It was, and it was good to see people, you know, the Reykjavik Marathon was supposed to be this weekend. And I took a run that morning and it was great to see people out doing their own version of the marathon. Everyone's staying apart. Everyone really putting their all into it, but everyone's making the marathon happen on their own. I mean, you know, people are people people are still making their lives happen right now. Absolutely, long may that continue. Um, that's all for this program, I'm afraid. Uh, the week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 31st of August, on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app, and your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks to my guest today, Jonas Moody. Um, We finish today with a summary, upbeat new tune uh, that's currently doing pretty well on the Icelandic charts. It's called Stundum, and it's by Moses Hightower. Bye for now. Vel vinklaður Kolbein Og fyrir lengu laus lús og neitt Hár og skrór og bein Stundum 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 Stundum
fætur Sefur hann en allir fjóru fætur Starfa á hlið Ynda draumi fórum eftist við Stundum, 